Hey everybody, it's Jake and I am alone in the basement. For this episode, we're going to be talking to someone we've talked to before, like nearly two years ago, which is even crazy for me to think that I've been doing these interviews for almost two years now. Crazy. Anyway, we're going to be talking to the Moonlight Sun, Mike Skyros, and uh, a dude that I'm uh, obviously familiar with, uh, solid dude, uh, love his in-ring work. Love him out of the ring. I can't say enough great things about the dude. Uh, you know, cult following up here in the Northeast. And uh, I'm just we're just going to catch up on uh, what's been going on since the last time we talked. So you guys know the deal. Just wait a few seconds and we'll be back with Mike Skyros. Hi, everybody. We are back and we are with the Moonlight Sun, Mike Skyros. Uh, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? What is this like? Round three or four for us? I, I think we've done this quite a few times now. Hopefully, we've we've got our rhythm down. Uh, so I looked it up, and uh, well, at least for just one-on-one episodes, this is only the second one we've done. Okay. And we did the first one like end of March, twenty twenty. Oh wow! Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, you have been on a plenty of times. You are still the reigning alone in the basement wrestling Jeopardy champion. <laughs> that is right. Yes, <laughs> a career highlight. And uh, I figured this time we'll just kind of try to catch up with some of the stuff that's happened since the last time yes. you were on. But yeah. uh, first, I want to start with with some of the real hard questions. Okay. Deal. Uh, what influence has the Swedish Chef had on your wrestling career? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, someone's been paying attention to my my BS posts. Uh, to be honest, the the manic energy of the Swedish Chef has had a great influence on my wrestling career. Um, sometimes I just I just gotta let loose, you know. And for whatever reason, I get a lot of positive influence from the Swedish Chef. I can't. It's hard for me to describe, but it's there. Uh, I do love how he's recently. I don't know if you knew that they uh, rebooted Muppet Babies. Yes, and uh, he's he started showing up on it, and it, it is funny to see him in toddler version. But he still has the hair cover in his eyes, and he's still, you know, completely. I think only Fozzie. Or is it Gonzo? I think it's either Gonzo or Fozzie. It's the only one that understands him. It has to translate to everybody else what he's doing. Oh yeah, Swedish is a hard language. You don't just pick that up. Over a summer or something. No. You'd have to spend some real time abroad with that one. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would have to say probably one of the, the bigger things you've, you've done or that I, I remember uh, is your run with the, the K1 title. In yeah, Strike. definitely. And how long did you hold it? So I held it from February of 20 until... October of 2021. So, let me do some math. A year and eight months. So, Which, I had a pretty good run with it, and with the exception of maybe there were maybe two months that we didn't defend because of the pandemic. But Tessa Strength got things rebooted a lot earlier than most places and did it safely. So. I had a pretty consistent wave of title defenses. It wasn't like a lot of places where the champions just been like sitting around claiming they've held the belt for a long time. No, and I think that was what made your run really impressive. I mean, because it was consistent defenses. It wasn't, you know, someone just saying, oh, I was champ, you know, for 484 days when more than half of that was just because they couldn't wrestle. <laughs> right. 
And, you know, it really built this feeling of would it ever end? Yeah, um, I definitely, I never took it for granted. I never got complacent with it, which is, I think, what happens with a lot of people. That was always my my number one priority to defend the K-1. It's just, you know, you can only go on for so long before someone's going to show up to to take it. And Ichiban has had a great run. He's continuing to do great things. And I think he was the right guy at the right time. Like he took the belt from me. Um, he took it straight up. There was no, no BS, no interference, no tomfoolery. Um, I wasn't having an off night. I, I just lost. And that happens in wrestling. So at least you can openly be like, you know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I defended it. I made, I made a ton of defend defenses. I defended it against a lot of really good people and everyone loses eventually. Yeah, you're not wrong. And it's just, I guess that's in everything. It's not just wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm just trying to think of stuff. Because I did not write anything down. Because you were right, I figured we'd be totally fluid right now. And now I'm just catching myself. So, it's all good. <laughs> uh, what would you say has been some of the, like, the biggest things you've done in the last few years? I mean... You're showing up in more places. I know you're trying to get out of comfort zones. Yeah, I feel like um, especially me, like a lot of people, I felt like I had quite a bit of momentum at the end of 19 and the beginning of 20 and then the pandemic hit and we all had to figure out how to adjust. Like we referenced before, that K1 Classic run, some of the guys I beat, I beat beat Max Caster. I beat Steve Pena. I beat Bobby Ocean. Uh, I beat Eddie Edwards. I beat Alec Price. Like I wrestle a lot of top wrestlers, and I, I know I may be leaving some out, but wrestle a lot of top wrestlers for that belt, and that was really key to helping keep me relevant. Um, I I did my best to release promos consistently to find work where I can, whether it was. Places like Grapplers Anonymous that were some of the first to hold those closed set tapings or the Flower City Wrestling Academy also holding closed set tapings. Just trying to find a way to keep putting wrestling out there, I think, was was really key for me and it helped keep me in people's eyes. In my opinion, uh, you could be as good of a wrestler as you can. You could train hard. You can have skill. But if you're not forefront on people's minds, it's... You're not always going to be the first that's booked. So I really tried to make an effort to stay busy as much as possible. And that paid off for me because, as was announced recently, I'm going to be wrestling at Pro Wrestling Grind, which I'm really excited for. I have a few other projects that I'm looking forward to announcing in terms of wrestling bookings that I'm excited for. But the main things for me have been Test of Strength Wrestling, Immortal Championship Wrestling out of the eastern area of New York has been really big for me as well. I've caught a lot of momentum there. I It all kind of started when I wrestled Richard Holiday from MLW, and we had a 30-minute match. And I, I really got to test myself against him for his uh, Puerto Rican championship. And a lot of people kind of got on the wave I was creating there after that match. 
Additionally, I've been a few really exciting places. Like I got to wrestle for Blitz Creek Pro. I got to wrestle quite a bit for Excite. I wrestled for a new company called NFW New Jersey. I did stuff. They've been, they've had their their uh, negative press, but wrestling for Camp Leapfrog was good for me. I've just been I've I've been very fortunate that in the last even through the pandemic the last few years I've been able to really build my name I think and I think I'm I've had a steady upward trajectory. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And you know I live literally in you know ICW's backyard. And, yes, and you're over as fuck here. <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> it, it is cool though, you know. Like if I, you know, some of the people that I may work with when they talk about going to shows, and they mention you, and they're like, "Oh, and he's he's really good. I love him." And I'm like, "Yeah, he's great." And it's it's always good to hear. I guess this is a kind of a shitty way to say it, or maybe not. Uh, Go for it. Well, I consider you a friend. So when I hear people saying good things about my friend, it makes me feel good. <laughs> no, man, I, I appreciate that. The The feeling is mutual as well. It's one of those things where it's it's weird to me, too. Like when I hear I heard on a different podcast, someone interviewing uh, one of your recent interviewees, actually, my friend Corey Jackson, who trained with us at IOPW, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point today. But they he mentioned me he's like yeah i train with mike and so and so and the, and the guy host was like oh mike he's really good it's still weird for me to hear that like it's not even in a self-deprecating way like i think i'm like the worst wrestler ever which i don't uh but it's just weird to to hear or see people in real life like complimenting my work it's really cool and i have one i have one earlier too because there was it was the post about pro wrestling grind and there was a photographer that said something like, Oh, I saw him at XWA and like, I became a fan instantly. I'm like, All right. We had a small technical difficulty, but we're back. Uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I was saying was, um, to build on, on your point is like when there was a photographer from XWA that was like, yeah, I saw him at Mike at XWA. He's really good. And it's like, I'm not saying this because I, I think I'm the worst wrestler on planet Earth. I don't think I'm the best wrestler on planet Earth. But it's always really cool and really validating to hear, like, random people just be like, oh, I think he's good. I'm like, I didn't know these people felt these this way. So it's really nice. And with Immortal specifically, I wrestled there. I had the, the very first match at Immortal, and I've been there consistently ever since. And it's one of those things where I think – and I could be wrong, but fans had seen the work I was putting in and they were waiting almost, I don't want to say for permission, but like a chance to see me doing something so they kind of get behind me. And, what, and that match with Richard Holiday from MLW was a big platform for me. And when they, that was one of the biggest responses I've gotten in the ring ever throughout the duration of that match. And to hear that from them, I think that told the the management at Immortal, and to their credit, they listened that, hey, we've got something here. The, the fans want to see something from this guy, so I've been kind of riding that wave as well since. Yeah, and I don't want to shit on the fans necessarily of, you know, Fulton, Hamill, Hamill, uh, Herkimer, Montgomery Cummings or anything, but this was an area that was deprived of indie wrestling for so long that a lot of these people, they come out because they see the bigger name who's been scheduled to show up. 
But sure. what they end up leaving or end up doing leaving is falling in love with a lot of these people that they had never seen before, which yeah. is awesome. I'm glad to see the growth around here. And it's, it's huge because literally, like I said, we are the, when it comes to New York, we're middle of nowhere. You know, yeah. when you drive out here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So to see that is, is just awesome. And, you know, you also made good points earlier because when you said, you know, you don't think you're the worst or the best, but it's about staying fresh in people's minds because sometimes there's guys who are getting booked on shows, not necessarily because they have the best in-ring talent, but it's because they keep themselves out there. People know who they are. So that's going to get people there. Yeah, no, and that's that's fair. Like when it comes to people on shows – most people bring something to the table and like, that's not always going to be in the like in-ring wrestling department. Um, the people in the locker room for the most part, know who's good, know who's not. Some people are on the show cause they're friends with the right people. Some people on the show because they're popular. Some people, you know, help set up the ring or help set up chairs. Like there's different reasons for people to be on the show. But to your point earlier, like, yeah, the the thing that's important to understand, and I think I like about Immortal, is there's always someone at these Immortal shows that's like uh, a name from like WWE or Impact or MLW, etc. And that's what's uh, what a lot of uh, so-called casual fans are going to want to see when they come in the door. Yeah. But us as the independent guys that they're not as familiar with, we have a great chance to make a really good first impression and we can use that like to our advantage. And that's what I'm trying to do. You think we can get Mike King to pay for you versus Calvin Tankman? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, probably it'd be someone would die. <laughs> it might be me. I don't know. I'm down for it though. That'd be, that'd be one of those things where I would have to be there. I'd have to be front row. I would not miss yeah. that one. <laughs> I just remember Trust me, my I've been, indie dream I've been in Mike King's ear about all kinds of matches. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely been... So it's, uh, oh, he's always giving me grief because I legitimately uh, mention booking Ron Simmons as <laughs> whatever on literally every show he has. I... I think eventually, well, he's got to be willing to do it at some point, right? <laughs> well, he did it. He did it once. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm trying to get him in there again, and I think it's going to happen because we joke about it too often for it not to, like, come to fruition. Now, if if somehow you were booked in a tag match with Ron Simmons, would that be, like, one of the top five things on your wrestling bucket list crossed? Absolutely. I might I might just retire after that. Who knows? That's that's the peak. Uh it, like additionally like everyone knows that he's one of my favorites, but I've gotten to ride with him twice so far and he he was that even like exceeded my expectations. He was a really cool guy, so if if any promoters are listening and they want to book Ron Simmons on a show, please do it. Have him fly into Syracuse. I will drive him and it'll be a great time. There we go. Now everybody heard. There he is. I still remember as a kid him beating Vader and it being like, what? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, it's, it's a wild moment because like every time uh, 
his birthday or like the anniversary of that match pops up like that match pops up and it's just always good it's such like it's such a good moment plus if you look at the crowd the crowd reaction is insane like they oh, lose yeah. their minds for and you know i feel like a lot of people kind of in today's age only re- remember him as like the damn guy but don't realize that ron simmons was legit as shit oh yeah <laughs> Like him and him and Doom was phenomenal. Oh man, like, it, him and Butch Reed and the Steiners just beating the absolute shit out of each other. Yeah, is some of the best early '90s stuff. Yeah, like it's funny because I was told recently uh, by one of my trainers that like a lot of times I I wrestle like I'm trying to be a big guy, and that's that's I think that a lot of that comes from that because. When I was younger, I liked like a lot of the the high flying wrestling. But if anyone watches me wrestle now, like all the people I've patterned myself after are like, like the the Dooms, the the Steiners, like dudes that were just like killers. <laughs> That's like all the all the people I've enjoyed. Like Dan Severn is one of my favorites. Like all these dudes that were just beating the crap out of people were like my favorites. Uh, yeah, I mean, even as an adult, uh, your boy Dangerous K, I've gotten into a lot more as I've gotten older. So, oh, my absolute all-time favorite wrestler. Yeah, who is your favorite four pillars or of the four pillars, and why is it Tawe? <laughs> oh, <laughs> honestly, he. I saw a thing on Twitter too about him. Like, people kind of lump him in as like, oh, he's just that fourth pillar guy. And I didn't know as much about him as the others when I started, but. He is. He brought so much to the table in terms of like, especially when he got mean. Like, there's definitely like a like a a personality shift at certain points for him where he would just s- stop caring. <laughs> he would just be choke slamming and booting everybody, and like choke slam off the apron, all of that. It just, I think he brings a lot to the table. Is just like a deceptively like mean and aggressive dude, and it's appreciated. I've. I know that you're right. There's a lot of people that kind of lump him. I've never understood the Tawei hate because of just the – it was – like you said, it's the little things he did. And yeah. he was a dick and that's what got him over as like one of the heels of the Four Pillars was he was yes. able to do these little shitty things. He was really great at timing. Yes. And he knew how to bring out other aspects of the match that maybe physically – he wasn't on par with his, you know, three counterparts, but he made up for it in a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to parlay that into like a, like kind of a relevant example for like, I'm not trying to talk like I'm, I'm passing down knowledge or anything, but I think it's important for like us to remember as wrestlers. So with the four pillars, like if you're running into Misawa and Kobashi all the time, you're not gonna you're not gonna out good guy them. You're not gonna be more loved than them. You're just not. Um, they're so endeared to the fans. So why not be that that prick villain? Like, exactly. It you're gonna get you're gonna be so much higher on the food chain because of that. Like just figuring out where the gaps are and filling it in. And in a sense, you knew Kawada and Masao were always gonna be paired off because you know friends since high school been competing since high school the story was just there yeah so to just kind of be there as kawada's partner while still being able to do a lot of things on your own 
Definitely helped him out. And, you know, Jumbo taking care of him very early on in his career. Yeah, um, I don't want to get down too much about an All Japan rabbit hole because I know we could we could go on, especially you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I've been, ever since, uh, I don't know if you saw Eddie Kingston made a tweet about Jumbo Saruta, like, hey, you should check him out. And he put, like, an article and he put a bunch of, like, he put some links, I think, as well. And I've been learning more about Jumbo because he was just a guy that, like, slipped through the cracks for me. And I've, really? I've learned more about lately and I've watched, I watched him versus... I think it was him versus Dory Funk I watched recently. Like, uh, Isis FX, one of my trainers, sent us, like, a couple matches, like, progressing, like, through his career. And there's, like, a super early one of him and Dory. And it's just it's really interesting to see, like, how he, his his arc went as a wrestler. But, again, we, we won't go down too much of an all-Japan rabbit hole, but I thought that was relevant. Yeah, uh, give me, like, 30 more seconds. Uh... The earliest Jumbo Dory match I have saved is, <laughs> there it is, says, I thought there was one in 73. Oh, no, that was a tag. Okay, yeah, it's saying Dory and Jumbo was August of 74. <laughs> it, it may be that, I don't know, it just, I didn't know it was a 70s match, and a lot of that decade is lost, too, in term, in general, like, everywhere. And so. it's, it sucks, because there was so so much good stuff. Yep. But, uh, yeah, to kind of last thing before we, we move on, uh, Jumbo, I love Jumbo. Jumbo to me is in my top five easily. And, uh, one of the things that I get heat for is I say that Jumbo was the best wrestler of the eighties, like pure wrestler to me. Jumbo was the best. That's, that's a very strong take. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to shit on your opinion because everyone is entitled to theirs. I, I might have a, a few different ones, but depends who I was really like, really watching recently. So, All right. fair enough. Oh, here's a question I remembered that I actually did want to ask, and I, I think okay. this one might be interesting. Uh, early on in your career, like two CW days, you wrestled under a different name. What made you yeah. switch? Uh, I never wanted to do – I never wanted to wrestle – uh, under either of the names I used in 2CW, um, I always just, it was tough because to a degree, this is a thing that has, and I'm being vague right now, but this is a thing that has like, I've been working on recently is I've never really wanted to be anyone but myself. And I will, if, if someone is paying me to do, to portray some sort of outlandish character, like fine especially when i was breaking in like i kind of did what i had to do to get by and to to get to the next point in my wrestling career but once i had once 2cw ended i kind of i didn't kind of i had the opportunity to just like start over fresh be myself um i came up with the skyros name which maybe i would have done something different but it's it's stuck with me this far and it was just a journey the last the first few years of just trying to figure out who I wanted to be. And at first it wasn't really anybody. I didn't have any sort of character or <clears throat> sorry, consistent presentation. And I, I've worked a lot probably since 2018 to really like, okay, this is, this is the whole moonlight sun thing. This is the direction I'm going with my like 
my personality and with my presentation, with my aesthetic, all this stuff. But yeah, the reason I, I stopped wrestling under any of the names I used in 2CW was just like, it wasn't me. It wasn't anything I wanted to use. They were things that were given to me. Uh, a lot of times not really taking my opinion into consideration. And I carried that chip on my shoulder from 2CW for a long time. And in a way, I think I kind of always will. Uh, even though we had the 2CW shows recently in October, and it was very validating because I very much showed up a different person. And I think to a degree, I won over a lot of that audience, both with my wrestling and with the promo I released, where I kind of just aired my grievances. And it was it was very validating for me to be able to present myself how I want to present myself to 2CW and for it to be accepted. Yeah, and you're right. That's a big deal. And you got to think of how much not only has wrestling changed, but you changed along the way. We're not the same yeah. people we were years ago, which is, no. you know, weird too in a sense. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. But I'm glad you got that, you know, because sometimes in wrestling, fans kind of forget that the wrestlers have personal goals too, and it's very important that they achieve those. Yeah, it's um, it's tough because wrestling, a lot of people have their different stances on this, but wrestling, in my opinion, is definitely an art form. And I think as long as you are doing, as long as you're putting an effort, you are presenting something that is respectful to like, wrestling your peers and doesn't short the audience i i think you should be able to pursue wrestling how how you want to like there's a lot of people that do things different ways that i would never do that doesn't make it any less good or valid than what i do but i think if i'm an independent wrestler and you're not paying me hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to wrestle why shouldn't i have a say in what i do and i think you make a really good point and I guess I'm now in a weird transition as a promoter or, you know, hoping to continue to be. Uh, I've always yeah. considered the opinions of the people that I had on the show very important. They were the yes. first thing I listened to. And I also made it clear and probably in a dumb way that I wasn't exactly going fan first. I was going workers first. Yeah. Because well, I wanted you guys to feel the most comfortable that you possibly could have felt. Yeah. And I think to that point too, um, my previous point still stands with that said, the promoters have, it, it's their company. They have the discretion to be able to be like, okay, then I will or will not book you. Uh, if you're presenting yourself this way, or I will, or I want you to be used a certain way. I think, I think a, a collaborative process is definitely uh, a good thing. Um, the taking of people's in, opinions into consideration is definitely really important. I think a lot of the wrestling promoters, uh, not talking about yourself, but there's a lot of wrestling promoters that don't have experience like in between the ropes or as a part of the wrestling business that I think would benefit from listening to more of the wrestlers, especially those that have been around. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are entitled to make whatever decision as a promoter and as a booker that you want to because it's your company. Which I get, but, I mean, you also make a good point. I mean, the way I look at it is 
there's a lot of promoters out there who are obviously just trying to make money. They don't necessarily sometimes care about all the people on the card. But at the end of the day, it's the wrestlers that make your show. You need to take care of them the best you can. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Because, I mean, without you guys, no one's showing up. No. Yeah, you could you could have... You could have amazing promotion. You could have flyers. You could, you could book. I mean, you can only book so many um, names from the past before, like your your budget's dry. You need to. The best way, in my opinion, and this is a huge tangent. I'm not a booker, but these are just my opinions. The best way to build a card that people want to see long term is to get them interested in like those local, like almost grassroots wrestlers, and take that journey with them because that's what's gonna. That's what's going to keep people coming back and have that emotional investment because, like, the the marquee guy usually isn't going to come back every month. But all the other dudes that are in a position like I am, a lot of them will be. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that from ICW. And, and Patches and NYCW is doing really good with booking a lot of people, you know, close to central New York and really, you know, giving the hometown people that kind of feeling. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like, like I said, you spoke with Corey Jackson recently. You spoke with uh, Denim Kovic semi-recently. You've spoken with, have you spoken with Adam Stone on the podcast? Yeah. Yes, you have. Okay. Uh, just trying to keep everything uh, straight. Yeah. So, like, all those guys, uh, to his credit, he gave opportunities to wrestle there. And myself and Kevin, he gave an opportunity to wrestle there. And, again, uh, Patches and I have butted heads over plenty of things but i will never deny that he the opportunity he gave kevin and i's killer instinct helped be like a jumping off point for everything else and that was super valuable and i think it's going to be a valuable jumping off point for the syracuse guys that i mentioned because at nycw i i watch uh, a lot of their matches and i hear a lot of feedback from the fans and those guys are killing it right now. I think they're having the best matches. I think they're some of the most popular guys there. And it just, it's good to see. Yeah, I'm really happy to see all of those guys thriving and succeeding. Because one, they're just awesome guys to talk to. And two, yeah. they really care about things. Absolutely. And I guess part of that is credit to you, whether you want to take it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know how I feel about that. I, I I'm very much... Corey even said it. I don't consider myself a trainer, and that's that's true. I I help out where I can, but uh, I think Springgate and especially Isis FX deserve a lot of the credit, all the credit. Okay, uh, we'll go. I have two questions. I just thought about. We'll start with the first one. Uh, cool. How'd you get the beer named after you? And was that Adam's idea or yours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. We we throw a lot of let's say like business ideas in the the wrestling group chat. Uh, it was my idea, and it was one thing like I just kind of joked with Adam about. So Adam Stone, for those of you who don't know, is first off a good friend of mine. Secondly, trained at the Institute of Pro Wrestling where I also trained. He is a very good up and coming uh, independent wrestler who you should check out. But he also owns now two locations of 16 Stone Brew Pub, which is a brewery that makes its own beers. And I was just and seltzer. <laughs> and seltzer. I do actually 
uh, I won't go too far on this tangent, but I do enjoy the seltzers more recently because I like hanging out there legitimately. It's a very low drama bar. A lot of my friends hang out there and I can just kind of go chill, not have to worry about any like nonsense going on there. People get into fights, any of that, but I'm not trying to drink beer all the time because I'm trying to look like a, like a TV wrestler with abs. So <laughs> I will enjoy the seltzers pretty consistently. Uh, but to your point about the beer, so I have a beer named after me uh, called the Moonlight Sun, and it's, from what I hear, very popular. It's stayed on the on the tap for a couple of years now, and it was one of those things where I just, I, I jokingly made a comment in our group chat, and Adam's like, oh, we can do that. And ironically, he made... He made a Moonlight Sun, and he made a Nasty Kevin's Garbage Ale. I liked the Nasty Kevin's Garbage Ale, like, way better than my beer. But the people liked the Moonlight Sun beer, so they stuck with the, the Moonlight Sun beer. It's kind of like a if, – if anyone is from upstate New York, it's kind of like a Blue Moon-type flavor where it has a, a little bit of the orange in it. Uh, it's nice. It's smooth. So it is if you're, really if you're in the Utica one. area, check that out. Uh, do you think there's any way we can turn – 16 stone into like the the central new york version of the ribera and if you eat ridiculous oh steaks we God. can get jackets <laughs> that's actually a really really good idea <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've been trying to work with adam to do some sort of food challenge there and i'm kind of putting this out to put the the pressure on him a little bit as if he doesn't have enough on his plate but I would love that. Uh, I I legitimately think it's like a really cool place to hang out. Uh, their food's good too. Uh, I I enjoy a lot of the uh, I enjoy the the Caesar salad there actually because the chef, who's another friend of mine, will just put as much chicken as humanly possible on that Caesar salad. So it's it's nice. I feel like I'm eating healthy and stuff. There you go. Uh, my other question is, what's the worst thing ISIS has ever done to you in training? Oh my god! Um, I've actually the worst stuff from ISIS is usually not. He hasn't beaten me up too badly. Uh, I've seen him where I've seen him really like take it to some people, and I've heard worse stories about back in like the younger days when like people. Granted, it's every time I've seen it, it's like someone trying to like physically take shots at him, and he kind of has to let him know what time it is. <laughs> Which I don't know why you're a wrestling student and you would physically go after one of the trainers, but that's another story. But he's actually always been really cool to me. Um, he's helped me immensely. The worst stuff he's done is more like telling really like shitty jokes that just make me roll my eyes or just ribbing me about like whatever nonsense I have going on in my life that week or whatever. Um, like if if I had a if I have like an off match, he'll rib me about that like incessantly and it's all in good fun. But I think like I haven't really had it that bad with training. Literally the only stuff I've had that's bad is just like there have been certain techniques where it just took me forever uh, to learn how to do like running. There's a certain way in wrestling that we run into the corners so that we don't like snap our backs in half. And that was something that took me a while. I was doing that for like a month straight. And I just remember specifically that being super grueling. So he's been really cool to me, but it's just stuff like that where I've had to drill the same techniques over and over again because I couldn't pick them up, which are like the the negative memories of training. 
I have a terrible dad joke for you. Are you ready? Well, doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> so, Go ahead. So uh, I lost my pizza cutter, but it's okay because I've been using this Brian Adams CD. Uh, you know where this is going? Hit me. Because it cuts like a knife. Terrible. <laughs> I Also, you know, I I'm, I thought of the wrestler, Brian Adams, right? Oh, no, I wasn't talking about Crush, no. I, I know the, the Canadian pop star, Brian Adams, but I was thinking of Brian Adams the, the from WCW. It is crazy to think that was Crush, though. Yes. Because they just seem like two different people. Yeah. Uh, and then he got that he had that face tattoo thing going and there's there's DOA. He's got a he's got an interesting arc. He did a lot of stuff. He really did. And to think that he started out of Portland, of all places, like the last territory. I actually did not know that. Yeah, man. He was like one of the last guys of Portland. I think him and Raven. Well, can't say we didn't learn anything in this podcast. No. No, we didn't. Or we did. I don't know. It's up to people's <laughs> discretion. <laughs> I I did. I don't know about anybody else. I did. Uh, I know you said that you had to split a little soon, so uh, we'll just keep throwing stuff. Uh, this one. Uh, what are who are you taking tonight? NBA. What do you, What are your picks? What are your odds? <laughs> I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a betting type of guy. Um, honestly, I have been a little lax on keeping up with like the day-to-day NBA season. Um, I haven't caught as many games as I would like to. Uh, I really don't have anything right now. But what I did see was I saw Russell Westbrook dunk all over Rudy Gobert, and that was pretty cool because I'm a Westbrook fan and it's not been my favorite season for him. So seeing him like completely obliterate Rudy Gobert was, was really nice. Uh, since I, I went back to day shift, I thought this was the year that I'll get back into NBA because I hadn't followed it in forever. But why yeah. do I feel like it is one of the harder sports right now to watch? Like, I can't find games. Like, I, like with hockey, it's been easy because ESPN Plus has everything. But I feel like I can't find NBA games. So NBA is weird because it's, it's a lot of local markets. And then there's the TNT games, uh, which pick up a lot more around the playoffs. Uh, there's rarely stuff on ESPN. There, there's a lot on League Pass, but... I think it just kind of depends what your market is. Like the Knicks are on MSG, obviously, but that's not all the games. The the Nets are on MSG. Thought the Nets were on yes. The Nets, no, yeah. Sorry, I had it backwards. The Knicks are on MSG. The ne- the Nets are on yes. You're correct. But it's it feels like a lot of teams have different deals up, or I don't know if it's a league thing, but I do wish there was more of a, a hub for like just like an NBA game, like every night or every other night. Because there's enough games to where you can make it happen. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, uh, you did mention IOPW and how we'd, we'd get into it. Uh, there, There's so many like awesome and, and cool people who have come out of there. And it does seem kind of like this gem that a lot of people don't talk about. Why do you think that of like all the upstate schools that that one's kind of, I don't want to say the one that's least talked about, but I feel it is, it is, but there's just so many good fucking people that come out of it 
that I don't, in a sense, understand why it's the yeah. least talked about. It's um, I think it's a combination of things. When Two CW was running more, that was it. It was talked about more just because, uh, it wasn't officially the Two CW school, but it was the Two CW school. Uh, all the guys came from there. Basically, if you look at it, uh, let's say you look at Grapplers, you had. You had Pepper Parks, now the Blade, kind of out there as being that guy that's like out there uh, representing the school and then bringing the guys along with him, right? You had him, you had Brandon Thurston, you had Mikey every night, and now you have Daniel Garcia, you have Kevin Blackwood, you have Bennett, etc. Uh, they're very much in the forefront, and they have a social media presence as well with their their live streams of their shows. Shout out uh, to Daddy Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Daddy Yeah Productions. They've always been very good to me. Uh, but you, you see what I'm saying? They have the people that are out there on the road that are representing the school, but they also have an online presence, right? Yeah. Flower City Wrestling, same thing. You have the uh, the UPW Association. You have guys like uh, Matic, Hellcat, Chris Caden, Colin Delaney, uh, Claudi and Cheech, Nick Ando that are out there at the forefront, not only promoting themselves and the brand through themselves, but bringing the new guys along with them and everyone seeing those new guys and getting to network with them. And they have their online presence with the Flower City Wrestling Academy that I've been wrestling at, and they've been doing their Facebook and YouTube and IWTV tapings, right? So you get to IOPW. We, Our head trainer has been retired since 2CW ended. Uh, ISIS has had injuries and things that have slowed him down a lot in the recent years. So he's not out there in the same way that he was out there before. Um, our online presence, in my opinion, is very lacking. Uh, a lot of people in the area don't, just don't know the schools there. And therefore, a lot of people on a wider scale don't know the schools there. And we're not putting out any sort of like web show or content or anything like that that would let people know about the school. Uh, we had a lull period for a while where it was just myself kevin jacoby as the representatives for the school and there are guys from before uh like brew vince like like jay freddie that were still out there wrestling but for whatever reason uh brute has more so but not a lot of people like have made the connection between them and the school it's kind of been in my opinion i've been the lead guy for the school for the past few years um in terms of like being out there, being busy, being on a bunch of cards, and, in my opinion, putting on good matches along the way. Um, and now we have the new crop of guys that is Corey Jackson, Ting, Adam Stone, Denim, Marcus Zeal, that are like kind of helping get the, the name out there. But we don't have as many people at the top that are out there on all these cards and networking, and we don't have that online presence. So... In my opinion, those things are why a lot of people don't know about the school. And one thing I think that's good, though, is I can't remember the last person that – because we, we don't have the mindset of – a lot of people have the thing of, oh, you so-and-so has graduated from the school. We don't have graduates. Uh, the people that train there continue to train there. I've trained there since the fall of 2012. So has Jacoby. Kevin trained there from 2012 to 2019 when he stopped wrestling. 
the guys that are local and have been like consistently wrestling continue to train. And like the point of that is we, we just keep, I can't remember the last time we put out a wrestler that had our approval, that had our seal to go out and has had our endorsement from the school that has not been up to par in the ring. And whenever people like, like you will see these guys from school, like where did this guy come from? It's like, I think we let people marinate a little bit longer and we put out consistently good wrestlers. And unfortunately we just don't have the networking at the top to let people know about it. That's one thing I've been trying to amend as in, like I've, I've taken it on myself to kind of be that, that lead guy and to try and get the guys out there to let people know about these wrestlers. But it's not always easy when you don't have someone that's as well connected as a, a pepper parks or a Daniel Garcia or a Colin Delaney, Maddox, et cetera. So I hope that answers your question. I mean, it does. And I, I totally get it. And you know, as I'm just trying to get out of word. I mean, if you guys ever figure out how to do a show from, <laughs> the school I would love to find a way to do a Heartstrong Gumi show there that'd be that's, you know the greatest thing ever so we did actually so here's back in over the summer we had a, an open house there was a like an open house and like kind of a, a flea market type type of thing set up at Great Northern Mall and we put on some matches for the public we had a good crowd and we put on a good show in my opinion we had a very like uh, basic card we had like I think we had Three or four matches each day, uh, concluding with a tag match involving pretty much everyone in the show. But I think that's a possibility. The hard thing is, um, without getting too much into logistics, ownership of that mall is kind of in flux right now. And with the New York State Athletic Commission being as difficult as is a lot of the time, it is hard to yep. put on a show in those type of places. But I would love to see an ILPW centered show because I mean, look at who we have right now. Like discount me. We have, uh, Jacoby who in my opinion is one of the best wrestlers that like nobody knows about. Uh, I think like there are a lot of things that he surpasses me in like greatly in terms of wrestling. It's just, he hasn't been out there and on the stage as much for people to know about him. We have Corey Jackson, who I, I talk about a lot because I think he's been putting in a lot of work, and I think the dude's going to be a star, and I think he has a really good chance of getting signed if he wants to. Uh, no pressure, but like he's he's in great shape. Uh, he works his ass off, and he has like a charisma that people really draw themselves to. Yes, and it's a natural it's thing been, for him. Yeah, and it's stood out on shows. Like I've had, there've been a few guys in the locker room that have been around, like. 15, 20 years that have either approached him to like talk to him about stuff because they see it or they ask me about him in terms of like, oh, where, you know, how's he doing? Like, how long has he been wrestling, et cetera? So I think the world of that dude, uh, Ting, I think if Ting could, uh, like consistently wrestle, he's a college student right now. So I understand he's doing some crazy medical type of degree, but. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Ting is a, is a college student and he's studying to be a doctor of some kind. So he has a lot on his plate right now, but Ting is an athletic freak. Uh, Ting is when he wants to be, he's extremely like wild and charismatic. And I think that's, that's helped him uh, get like, get over with a lot of the fans. Um, Adam stone is like, 
is kind of like the old school like uh, local hero type of like good guy wrestler. Oh, he's um, he's so eighties white meat baby face that it's great. Yes, <laughs> but it's great, and I it think I think I think he's super underrated too because uh, I'm I'm of the opinion like. Corey and Ting are like super flashy and like very loud, like colorful personalities. But like Adam, Adam is like that super solid, uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't let anything like get under his skin, like cool, like local hero type of babyface wrestler. And he, he does that so perfectly. And then we have Denim who, uh, he is like this, he does move so crisply so well. Like he has an amazing, like Northern Light Suplex, Amazing Fisherman Suplex, like he, like on purpose, but he reminds me a lot of, um, he loves Manami Toyota, and I think a lot of that shows up in his game, and he's, again, I think he's super underrated as well, because he isn't that that loud personality like a Corey or a Ting, but he brings a lot to the table. And then we have Marcus Zeal, who's the newest guy, who's, like he's this, super jacked up dude he looks like a, a jacked up like alex wright in my opinion uh, <laughs> i loved alex wright man i feel like he never got the fucking run he deserved that's another separate tangent alex wright thing. was awesome so he would like i was listening to a thing where they were talking about i forget who they were interviewing but they were talking about how alex wright like he learned how to be a, a shooter from his father steve yep so uh for those who don't know what a shooter is is a guy that can like take you down and tie you in a knot like a pretzel basically and uh he was he was super like i thought he was a super crisp wrestler uh he was like he was super young too and people liked him he just he never i don't know if he was like super bummed out about how wcw went but he didn't really do much afterwards but i'm gonna wrap up alex right saying he was really cool and i thought he was a really good wrestler but last uh, i knew he was doing his own thing in germany running a promotion i think well i hope he's doing well because that that dude was awesome and i i think he gets he gets shit on a little too much like by people who just remember like the dancing bullshit yep was, i agree with yeah. you but uh yeah marcus zeal he's a, a newer guy uh but he's a freak athlete super strong super jacked uh can jump out of the building uh really like in my opinion approaches wrestling the right way and he uh he doesn't like he doesn't lean too much on his athleticism. He he like has quietly had like some really good matches with like Ice Effects. Uh, we had a, a really cool match at the school, and he's been working his ass off too. And I think uh, once more people see him as well, that he'll take off. So like I'm always gonna take time to put over my guys because I even if they weren't my guys, I think they have a lot to offer, and they don't have the platform that a lot of other wrestlers have in the area. Yeah. And, I think they're just as good, if not better, than a lot of the other people in their position. And, I mean, you said that there isn't really any promotion that's, like, ILPW-centered, but I've made it very clear to you and the other guys that Hardstrong Gumi shows wouldn't run right if I didn't have the IOPW guys. That means a lot. It's it's definitely appreciated on our end. I know um, I talk to ISIS almost daily, and he appreciates it as well. So uh, hopefully more to come. Yeah, the now that we're starting to see, you know, the clear in some things that that's the plan. And it's just also, I mean, you guys know that I have had the itch 
and I'm still yes. back and forth about it, but just how open you guys were into saying, if you want to come, just come. Yeah. And what that really meant to me, it just, it was a heartwarming thing knowing that it's a reciprocal relationship where both sides care about each other. Yeah. Our, our school, the, the mindset of our school, our school is not an easy school to go to. Uh, we really drill technique. Um, we really let, we really make sure people are honestly, in my opinion, more ready than a lot of other schools before they wrestle. I know myself, I was, I was training for a few years before I debuted. A lot of the guys at the school did the same, but no matter who you are, if you show up and you put in effort and you you want to do this, no matter what your your age, your skill set, uh, your goals, uh, we will help you to the best of our ability. Also, side note: now I'm upset with denim because of all the times we talked. I don't think we ever talked about Manami Toyota. <laughs> Definitely ask him about Manami. He loves Manami Toyota. <laughs> ask him about that because me and him talk about her all the time. Because like, I remember the first time I just. I'm always taken aback when someone, uh, for lack of a better term, like knows about her because uh, she's one of the best wrestlers ever, but she's also kind of a hidden gem in terms of like a mainstream wrestling fan. So yes. I didn't even know what type of wrestling Denim was into. And he was he sent me like some clip of hers. And I'm like, yo, you want to do this? Like, <laughs> we, we could do that. That's great. Uh, to me, she's up there with Masawa as one of the top two greatest to ever do it. She was just ridiculous with the shit she did with yeah, no regard to her own life. Uh, half the time, <laughs> literally one of the best ever. I couldn't agree more. I also have to get a hold of Marcus to get him on the podcast. I, I, think, I will, I will make that happen. I think him and Jacoby are the only ones I haven't had. on. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's Jake's like a, he's very mysterious. He's like an enigma and, uh, he, he doesn't do it on purpose, but like, he just doesn't see messages on his phone a lot of the time. So everyone thinks he's no selling them. He isn't, he's just like living his life, <laughs> but we will make both of those happen. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, what's the big goal for 2022? Ooh, uh, the big goal for 2022 is to appear on AEW. Okay. I don't, I don't care if I'm if I'm out there and someone runs me over 12 seconds later. Uh, I think I've messaged them too. I got to message them more because I'm sure they have a thousand emails per day. But uh, no disrespect to anybody, but I think I could contribute something on there. Whether it's like a dark appearance, helping in you know enhance somebody or something more. But I think I have a skill set to where I could contribute. Oh, I could easily see you on Dark or Dark Elevation, man. Yeah, so that's the goal. All right, well, hopefully you get it. We'll see. I'll come to Florida with you. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be dope. All right, man. Uh, Anything you want to toss out there? Uh, Merch, uh, links, all that stuff. Uh, Top three cowards of 2021. I don't know. Whatever you want to (laughs) go Oh man, uh, top three cowards of 2021. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna say number one is is gonna be my rival, Old Yeehaw Garrett Holiday, uh, just because of the constant trash he talks on me online. Uh, and he's he's just a very cowardly man. Um, he attacked me in cowardly ways. Uh, 
when I wasn't looking on the test of strength shows. Also, I had him cinched up in a double wrist lock for his SCW heavyweight championship, and I got attacked by Brother Greatness, so uh, I should have his belt. He claims he wouldn't have tapped out, but it doesn't matter because you're in a double wrist lock. You're going to lose. Yeah, there's uh, no way out. So he's number one. <laughs> number two is definitely Jonathan Ash, uh, who works for GoPro Wrestling in production now. Uh, he would be number one, but he will never be number one at anything in his life. He's definitely one of the biggest cowards I've ever met. So he's definitely number two. Uh, number three is this is the third one's. It's like Mount Rushmore, where the first couple are easy, and then uh, the last one is is not so great. Uh, man, anyone anyone that's just been ducking me in in 2021. There are there are a lot of matches that I wanted to have and that I was supposed to have that. Didn't happen for whatever reason. Anyone that doesn't have me on their uh, people I want to wrestle list is a coward and is ducking me, in my opinion. So I'll put everyone else on that third rung. Uh, for merch, uh, or for socials, actually. Social media, you can find me everywhere at Mike Skyros. That's M-I-K-E-S-K-Y-R-O-S. No spaces, no dashes, no anything. Just straight up. And that is for my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook I want to learn how to use TikTok, but I have no idea how to use TikTok. I might have to find like some Zoomer to like show me how it works. <laughs> In terms of merch, I just loaded up on a bunch of merch, like physical merch. So if you see me at a show, I have T-shirts, I have 8x10s, I have cards, and I have stickers. Uh, and I might have a few guitar picks guitar <laughs> laying around and or buttons laying around. So... If you are interested in any of those, you can see me in person. Also, I have more designs online. Uh, there is a link to the uh, Mike Skyro store in my bio on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also working to open a uh, to move everything from Pro Wrestling Tees to uh, What a Maneuver, and that will be done hopefully within the next two or three weeks. Okay, good, good, and that way you'll get a better cut. <laughs> exactly. Which, I mean, no outright hate at pro wrestling tees, but no. they don't give the workers as much as they should. Yeah, no, I no pro wrestling tees has always been easy to deal with for me. Um, it was just a thing where I can make more money somewhere else. Yeah. Who's going to tell you not to do that? <laughs> right. Uh, last one. Because I, I forgot to do anything basement related. Uh, how creepy is the basement at the Holland Patent 16 Stone? Because I've heard some some stories. That's Yo, downright all right. Creepy. So you <laughs> let me know next time you go to the Holland Patent location. I will go with you. We will, myself, Adam, you can take a journey to the basement. It is super creepy. Uh, oh. I I don't know why I didn't mention that. Did I mention that on the creepy basements when you asked me the first time? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, Adam. One of the last times Adam, well, I don't even know if it's, I think it was actually on the episode I did with Adam, we talked and joked about how we're going to do an episode together with all like the uh, the Central New York guys within the basement in the clown room. <laughs> Yo, I'm so down. The clown room's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> I I remember one time uh, I was in between shows, so I did my laundry at 16 Stone. I washed my gear, <laughs> which you know a lot of people don't do, but I washed my gear at 16 oh. Stone, and. I was in that basement, like, he was showing me around, like, there's areas of, like, a dirt floor and, like, like old stone in the wall. Like, it's an old, like, 
foundation like hundreds of years ago and it just is unsettling i would not want to be like wandering down there alone well there we go we got a good creepy basement story at the end (laughs) well all right man you take care you have a good night uh stay safe and uh what should i get for dinner uh what you should get for dinner uh i've been feeling indian food lately i got uh tikka masala and naan bread the other day from the local indian place shout out to dosa grill uh, I don't know if anyone's going to care, but that's my free plug. And yeah, get 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 you some Indian food. You It'll say, be good for you. You say the one thing that is nowhere in any vicinity of me. All right. All right. Here's my backup. Uh, get yourself – make yourself some pasta like a nice either an Alfredo or a tomato sauce. Throw some uh, throw some chicken in there. That's, that's going to be – it's going to be it. All right. We'll go with that. Take it easy, man. You too, man. Bye. Later. Again, uh, that was Mike Skyros. Uh, I can't say enough great things about Skyros. And uh, I don't know if he'll listen to this whole thing after he was off. But in case he comes back and and listens later, uh, he's just a dude who's been super good to me when he didn't really need to. And he's become one of my better friends that I've met through wrestling. And is just a guy who's who's always there for me when I need him. And uh, I really appreciate how good of a friend he's become, which is crazy how you know in march of 2020 it was just you know hey you want to be on the podcast yeah let's do this and where things can go wrestling is is weird and awesome and beautiful and it can do a lot of things for you so that's all i have to say also if you are in that area and you want to train to be a wrestler uh I suggest IOPW. I believe the school is in Clay now, which is close to Syracuse. So if you're in that area, uh, hit up Mike Skyrof. He'll probably tell you where to go. Uh, social medias, you know me, even though I don't think anybody even follows me on anything. Because <laughs> uh, Alone in the Basement has like next to no likes on, on Facebook. So yeah, like it on Facebook. It's literally Alone in the Basement. All right, I love all you guys, and uh, I should be back later this week. Take it easy, take care of each other, stay safe.